0: Welcome this morning, so good to see each one of you here. Take your Bibles out, turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 29. That's not Corinthians, that's 1 In case you didn't know, there's not 29 chapters in Corinthians. We were just testing your Bible knowledge when we threw that in there and see if you are on your toes. So turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 29. It's good to see everybody here today. Thank you so much for coming to be with us. We're talking about changing our world, becoming world changers, and we open the month By talking about sending a world changer. And we looked at missions and we looked at how we as a church reach all around the world that it's not just about us but God wants the gospel to go to the uttermost parts of the earth and so we had a a great time with our missionary on that Sunday morning and then we said it's not just enough to send somebody but the Lord wants every one of us to be world changers so wherever you're at wherever you work wherever you go to school in whatever neighborhood God has placed you in he wants you to change the environment and the world around you and so we do that by being a witness and being a light and sharing the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then last week we looked at prayer for world change. And so it's about God raised us up to change the environment, not only just by being lights, but going to doing spiritual warfare and praying and seeking the kingdom of God and believing that God is going to save our family, save our loved ones. We looked at that incredible story of Moses where it says he prayed and God relented and God changed his mind. And so our prayers are prayer powerful, it is a great weapon that God has given us, and we ought to be doing it, and that will produce world change. This morning, I'm going to talk about investing in world change, and so before we read our text, I want to tell you a little story, and I kind of want you to follow along with me because this story kind of serves as an allegory that I think sets up the entire rest of the message, and so, and you guys, you parents can relate to this. Father took his son to McDonald's. You guys have kids, you got to go to McDonald's. you got to get there at some time or another, and you take your kids there, and you eat all that great health food there at McDonald's. And and he took his son there, and uh, he was at McDonald's, and he bought him a Happy Meal. And so the son is sitting there, and he is eating on his Happy Meal, and the father did what most fathers do. They reached across the table to grab one of his French fries. And he was going to take one of the French fries and eat it for himself. And the son pulled back and he says, no, daddy, these are my French fries. Now at that point, the father had several thoughts rushing through his brain. And the first thought went something like this. This son of mine has no idea I am the source of those fries. In fact, just five minutes earlier, I went up to the counter, I put down my money, I purchased that happy meal for my son, I gave him that happy meal, he has no idea I am the source of all those fries. And the second thought that went through his mind as a father, he says, you know what, as the dad, I have all the strength and all the power, I can take those fries away if I want to. Or I can go back up to the counter, put $50 on the counter, and bury him in fries if I want to. I have all the power. And the third thing he thought, that thought that ran through his brain on that occasion was simply this. He doesn't understand, I don't need those fries. I can always go back up and buy my own fries. The father really didn't want the French fries, He wanted his son's willingness to give. He wanted to know if his son would be willing to give and share and be a part of that. Now, you guys know where I'm going with this. We have a heavenly father. Our father has taken us to McDonald's, and he has blessed us all with french fries. And our french fries come in all kinds of shapes and all kinds of sizes. But God has abundantly blessed us as our heavenly father. And and what happens is he reaches over to us. Then he says, you know what? I, I want your tithes. And I want your offerings. And I want your talents. And I want your family. And I want your resources. And we pull back and we say, no, Lord, these are my fries. God thinks to himself, you don't understand. I am the source. Everything you have comes from me. I gave it to you in the first place. God also thinks I have the power to take them away from you. Or I have the power to bury you in French fries and bless you abundantly. And the father also thinks I really don't need your fries. I want my children to learn how to share, and I want my children to learn how to give. Not because God's hurting, not because he needs my money, not because he needs it, not because he is a needy God, but simply because he has modeled what giving is all about. God is a giving God, and God wants his children to be like him. John chapter 3 and verse 16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And because God loves so much, God is a giver. And God bountifully blesses us far beyond what we could ever dream or imagine or think. But he wants his children to share in the joy of participating with God in giving. God is a giving God because he loves. So I ask you the question today, what do we say? When God reaches out for our fries, what do we say when God says, I want the tithe? When his word says, bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse. For you that are new here, tithe simply means 10% of our income, 10% of what God has blessed us with and already given us. What What do we do when God says, I want your offerings Offerings can be defined as extraordinary gifts to meet extraordinary needs. And so we give over and above to meet those needs. What do we do when God says, I want you to take your fries and I want you to pass them around to the other kids around the table and I want you to bless somebody else and I want you to help somebody else? What do we say? Do we say, no, God, these are my fries? Let's stand together. Let's look at God's word. First Chronicles Chapter 29, verse number 9. The people rejoiced at the willingness of their leaders, at the re- willing response of their leaders, for they had freely given and wholeheartedly to God, to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O oh Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, O oh God, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. Hallelujah. Father, we just pray this morning that in this house, we thank you for your sweet presence today, that you will come down, that you will open up the word of God into our hearts and minds this morning, that you will speak to us very directly about your, what your will is for every single child of yours. And we love you, God, and we thank you for your wonderful word. And help me, I pray. I ask it in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Turn to someone and say, share your fries, and then you may be seated. First Chronicles chapter 9 is a remarkable chapter. It, it is where David is gathering the offerings to build the temple. God has laid on his heart, I want you to build a temple for my name. I want you to build a dwelling place for my name. We know that later Solomon would build the temple, but David would be his chief fundraiser. And he would raise the money ahead of time. He would raise the skilled workers. He would set them all in place. And then Solomon would come along and finish and complete the project. And so David is going to build this temple. He starts out in verses 1 to 9, and he himself sets the example. And David says to the leader, I am showing you, and I'm going to model how to be a generous giver. And so it talks about all that David himself gave for the building of that temple. And then in verse number 10, we read it to you, he breaks out into this great chorus of praise. So in the middle of his generosity, he is overwhelmed with the knowledge of who God is, how great God is, how that everything he has comes from God. He says, God, you've given me everything. I am only giving it back unto you. It's already yours. You are a God of all power and all might and all strength. And he just kind of just breaks into a spontaneous praise that we read in our text a little bit earlier. I want you to notice several things about this passage in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. The first is simply this. I want you to notice the father's priority. What is his priority? And the priority is simply this. And you find it in verse number 5. So keep your hands open to 1 Chronicles 29. Look at verse number 5 if you would. He says there, who is willing to consecrate himself today to the Lord? Now David's asking the people, who will consecrate first himself today? today to the Lord. Now let me share something with you. Follow me closely here. God doesn't want your fries. He wants your heart. He doesn't just want your money. He wants your heart. And so David asked this question, who is going to consecrate himself to the Lord? Our first priority is, does God have your heart? Is he the Lord of your life? When God has your heart The fries will follow. It's no problem. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I want to illustrate it here. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Paul is writing the Corinthians, and he is going to use the Macedonians as an incredible example of generosity and generous giving. And he says something very remarkable in this verse, and I want you to pick it out, and this will be our illustration from the New Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter eight and verse one. And now brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches out of their severe trial and overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. Now, Now, he is writing here, he's referring to the Macedonian churches. The Macedonian churches were established by in Paul's missionary journeys. And the Macedonian churches would comprise the church of, of Philippi. And we have the letter to the Philippians, the Bereans. He talks about reaching Berea and establishing a church there, and Thessalonica. These are all the churches that now comprise the area of northern Greece, or at that time, Macedonia. And what is happening in, the, in this background is the Judeans are going to face a massive famine. And so in Jerusalem, in Judea, they're going to face hunger, starvation, and a famine is going to sweep across that land. <coughs> Excuse me. So he appeals to these newly established churches. He had just planted them, just started them, and he, established, he, he, he appeals to them to give an offering to meet the needs of those who are in Judea. Now what great training for a brand new church plant, but to teach them right out of the gate, be generous, give it away, don't keep it all for yourself. I'm so thankful that when Faith Assembly of God started, and I came here some 32 years ago now, that one of the very first things we did is we're gonna take offerings up for missionaries. It's not just about us, it's about giving it away. And so we started that very early from my coming here that we would begin to give away. We would learn to be a generous church. Greatness in a church is not what it receives, but in what it gives. A greatness in a church is not in what it receives, it's in what it gives. In other words, faith assembly is not to be a savings and loan. We're not to be a bank, we're not to see how much money we can raise and keep right here for faith assembly, but faith assembly of God is to be a funnel of blessing to the world. We give so we can go back out, so it can literally change our world. God has blessed us so we as a church can share our fries. And when we share our fries, we in turn bless the world around us. The Macedonian churches then become a model of giving. And he says, this is what everybody ought to give like. And look at verse number 7, and you see that right there in the same passage. He says, but just as you excel in everything, in faith in speech, in knowledge, and in complete earnestness and in your love for us. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. He says if you're gonna be a model, be a model in faith, be a model in speech, in knowledge, in love, but also excel in this incredible grace of giving. They became a model to all the other churches in that region. Now I want you to look at verse number five though and see the priority. He says there, And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first. Look at the word first. First is a a word of priority. First. He says, first, give yourselves to the Lord. First, commit your life to his lordship. First, surrender to him. First, give him your life. That's first. You must first settle the issue of lordship. Who is number one in your life? Is the Lord number one? Is he number one in your life? Is he above everything else in your life? Is he first in your life? Is he Lord of your life? And when he is Lord of your life, stewardship becomes automatic. It's a no-brainer. It just automatically flows out of you because Christ is Lord. Stewardship, let me define it for you, is the use of God-given resources to accomplish God-given goals. Let me give you a very simple definition, the use of God-given resource to accomplish God-given goals. And when the Lord is first, then that becomes the desire of your heart to accomplish God-given goals. If Jesus Christ is not Lord, you will nickel and dime the kingdom work. You will look at stewardship as paying taxes, and you'll be miserable the whole time. The Lord wants you, and if the Lord has your heart, everything else falls in place. If you settle the question of lordship, then you will yield to his ownership, and you will come to understand that literally God owns everything I have. And when you understand it's all God's to begin with, it frees you up then to biblical generosity. Because God's going to take care of you. God's going to bless you. God's going to guard you. God's going to provide for you. It's all God's. And so I become that channel then that God can flow his resources through so I can accomplish God's kingdom goals. Go back to 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Look at verse number 11. He says, all is thine. Verse number 14, all things come of thee. Verse number 16, all thine own. In other words, God, you gave me the happy meal. It all came from you to begin with. Listen, you think, well, listen, I worked hard and I earned it and I studied, and I went to school, and I got this job, and I work every week, and I earned it. No, the Bible even says God gave you the ability to earn. God gave you your mind and your body and your talents. It all came from God. So therefore, everything I have comes from God. We are simply managers of God's stuff. So God has the right to do whatever he wants to with his stuff. There's a principle in Matthew six twenty one. It says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. When he first has your heart, your treasure will follow that. There's no problem, there's no debate, there's no discussion have you ever heard about follow the money trail you've watched these movies about espionage and they're trying to track the criminal down and they go back and they check the money trail they find out where his bank account in the cayman island is and where it came from and how they did that and they follow the the money trail to, uh, to that leads them to the guilty party or the irs or whoever it may be they they follow that money trail to discover the mission and motive by following the trail of money The Lord does not follow the verbal trail. The Lord does not follow the verbal trail. Where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. In fact, the Bible says there are many that will say, Lord, Lord. And he will say, depart from me, I never knew you. Words are cheap. We talk about Jesus being Lord of all, but we act like it's ours. There will be many that will say, Lord, Lord, he is not following the verbal trail. It's easy to sing, I surrender all, but don't touch my fries. I'll take a fork and chop your hand off. These are my fries. You can look at a person's checkbook and know his heart and his priorities by looking at his checkbook. God said that. That was in God's word. Sometimes we let our problems derail our priorities. And so we come around and say, you know what, I really would love to give. I would love to be generous you know, it's so tight right now, and I'm going through hard times, and I'm going through difficulties, and I I just can't do that. Let me look at 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 2 again that I read to you earlier. Out of their severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up into rich generosity. Look at those words, severe trials, extreme poverty, and yet they gave. The Macedonians gave. They did not let their trials derail their priorities because God was first and people needed it in Jerusalem and they were going to starve without it. And so they gathered together and they gave what they could. We look at our problems and it keeps us from reaching our kingdom potential. You focus on your problems, you will never reach your kingdom potential. We all have problems, but the moment we allow our problems to limit our stewardship, we limit and press down and crush what God can do. We say, God, I would like to, but I don't have the time. God, I would like to, but I don't have the talent. God, I would like to, but I don't have the finances. God, I would love to, but I don't. And as soon as we begin to talk that way, we limit what God can do through our lives to impact our world and us. We become limiters to God's blessing and God's power flowing through our lives. The Bible says, out of their great affliction and deep poverty, you couldn't stop the Macedonians from giving. Giving is a matter of your will, not your wealth. It's not what you have, but what's in your heart. That's good preaching, whether you like it or not. It's good. We got a story of a man. He came up to his pastor. He said, Pastor, if I had a million dollars, I'd give half of it to the church. Pastor looked at him and said, well, if you had $500,000, would you give half of it to the church? Oh, man, I sure would, sure would give it right now. Pastor said, if you had 1,000 cows, would you give 500 back to God? Oh, I sure would. I'd give 500 cows back to God. Pastor said, well, if you had two hogs, would you give one to God? Man said, well, wait a minute. I have two hogs. Let's not get personal here. I think that's the way we are sometimes. God, if if I had it, I'd, I'd do it. And God says, what are you doing with what you have right now? Giving has everything to do with the heart. It doesn't have anything to do with what you got. The Father's priority. Give yourself first. Give yourself first to God, and your treasure will follow. The second thing I want you to notice is the father's power. And go back if you would at 1st Chronicles 29. Look at verse number 11 again. I read it to you earlier. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Now, I ask you one simple question. Does the father have the ability to give? Ten of you. Let me try one more time. Does the Father have the ability to give? Yes. Yours is the power and the glory and the majesty and the honor. It all belongs to you. Does God have the power? Yes, he does. He can bury you in fries if he wants to, or he can take your fries away from you. God has the power. Now, we don't like to hear about the taking our fries away. But let me tell you another story from the Bible. It's found in Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, he tells the parable about 10 minas. And what he did is he gave 10 minas to one of his servants. And that servant went out, and the Bible says he earned 10 more minas. And what does the, the master say? He says, well done, because you've been faithful, I will give you rulership over 10 cities. Now listen to me, generosity is linked to dominion, you're generous, you're wise, you invest, you trust me, I'll give you 10 cities. I will give you rulership in return for what you did in the natural. He said to somebody else, I'm gonna give you five. He gave five minas to somebody. The man went and and in Matthew's its talents, he says, minas in Luke's gospel. So in Luke, he says, I give you five minas. That man went out and earned five more. He says, Because you've been faithful, I will give you rulership over five cities. Dominion. Kingdom rule. Full potential. He gave one man one mina. In this parable, he says he went and he hid it in a piece of cloth for fear. The master went to him and he took it away from the guy who didn't use it, didn't invest it, kept it for himself, said, These are my fries. And he gave it to the person who already by this time had 20 minas. God has all power. He can take your mina away from you. And the key of this parable is there is a reckoning day that is coming for everybody. It's about God's reckoning day. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Now, let me read verse 26 of Luke 19. I tell you, everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what he has will be taken away. So when David cries out, God, you have all the power, all the authority, all might, when we sing these songs, God, you are over all, you reign over all. Do we really believe that? Or is it words? But when we place it in God's hand, God has the power also to Multiply it. Remember the story about a little boy who comes up with a couple, they got 5,000 men, all these ladies and kids running around. It's crazy. And they have no food and they're getting hungry. And the disciples say it's late in the hour. The Lord says, You give them something to eat. Says, Time out. We can't, we don't have enough money here. We can't even go to the store and buy enough to feed these guys. And one little kid has five loaves and two fish. He gives it to God and God gives it to the disciples and it multiplies right in their hands and they feed upwards around 20,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. Listen, when you give it to God, God also has the ability to multiply it. They come out with 12 basketfuls left over. And I can imagine that little boy, I don't know how much he could carry, a little kid, I don't know how old he was, but he's carrying, he probably got his own basketful, just walking out of there, carrying that thing. Look what I got, Mom. I got enough to feed us for the rest of the, the year. God has the ability to take it away, or God has the ability to multiply it. When you invest it in God's kingdom, when you become a channel that God can trust and flow through, He multiplies it. <laughs> it's exciting. He has the power to provide whatever you need. Notice also the Father's provision. Look down at verse number 12, where this same wealth and honor come from you, it comes from God. You are my provider, you are my source. You are the ruler of all things, and your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, let's go back to the basics. God gave you your happy meal to begin with. God owns it all, and He will provide everything we need. Somebody ought to shout Amen right there. God will provide everything we need. He is my provider, He is my source. And if God asks you to give time back to him, talents back to him, resources back to him, he has the authority to give you all your need to complete the assignment he's asked you to do. Everything every, all comes from God. So if he says, I want, to, I want you to do something for me, I want you to give something to bless somebody over here, I want you to volunteer over here, I want you to do this or do that, if God asks you to do it, he's going to give you the ability to carry out what he's asked you to do. Because he's my source. He's my provider. His grace is sufficient for me. Faith is foundational to stewardship. And so the bottom line when it comes to giving, generosity, tithing, offerings, the bottom line is faith. Do I still believe God can provide for me? The parable of the minos in Luke chapter 19, I quoted earlier, said, I was afraid and I hid my mina. The reason most people don't tithe in the local church is fear. If I give my fries away, I'll starve to death. I'll go hungry. Won't be able to take care of my family. And so we hold them. And fear keeps us holding on. But when I have faith, here's my fries, God. And you gave me the first batch of fries, and you can give me more fries, and more fries, and more fries. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Fear causes people to hold and to hoard. Faith says, I will invest in that which is eternal. God is my source, I give back to Him. So then he can in turn bless and multiply it. Just like the guy with the loaves and fishes. Children of Israel, they, they're in the wilderness. They're trying to get to the promised land. And, and every day God says, get up. And when you get up, there's going to be manna on the ground. Food on the, 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 the and you're going to take that and take enough for that day. And you're going to eat that and that's going to take care of you. And I'm going to teach you a lesson about the Sabbath. I want you to the day before the Sabbath, take enough for two days because it's going to last you. But if during the week you take any more than enough for that day and you put it in your tent, it's going to rot, it's going to mold, worms are going to be crawling out of that stuff, it's going to decay so fast. And God was teaching the children of Israel, I am your absolute source and I will meet your needs every single day of your life. So when you get up in the morning, you don't have to worry about gathering enough and hoarding enough to last for the rest of the week. I am your continual, ongoing source. I will take care of you. What if God doesn't show up? What if I get up the next day and there's no food on the ground? What if? What if? Trust God as your daily provider, and he will give you everything you need to fulfill God's kingdom purposes. Faith releases generosity. If I trust in God, it frees me to be generous, just like the Macedonians. The fourth thing is simply this, the Father's partnership. Now here's the, this is, this is really, this sermon just really gets exciting. When you begin to invest in kingdom purposes, you are literally partnering with that almighty God you are making God the chief financial officer in your life. And it's the most exciting, joyous life you can lead. Now look at it. You find it in verses 14 to 16. And we're going to pick it up there. I read through 13. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Who are we? I mean, how, how, how can we even do this? Everything comes from you and we have given only what comes from your hand. In other words, God, here's the partnership. You give to me, I give it back to you, and we're partners. We are aliens and strangers in your sight. We are all like our forefathers. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. O Lord, our God, as for all this abundance that that we have provided for building of your temple and for your holy name, it comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. So here's what he says in verse 16. He says, all the money to build the temple for your glory came from you to begin with. When I give it back to build the temple, I'm giving it right back to you. And so we are uniting in a partnership to see the temple built in Jerusalem, okay? That's what I, that's what I just read to you. Read it again, verse 16, it's there. God blesses us with our fries, our resources, he says, so we can build the temple. What does that mean for us? When you come in and you bring your tithes on Sunday morning, you are investing so the kingdom of God can be built up. Because this church, Faith Assembly of God, is all about building the kingdom of God. It is all about reaching souls. It is all about reaching around the world. It is about building up God's kingdom, so when you come and you give, you are partnering with God to expand his work all around the world and bless others. We entered a unique partnership with our giving God. In those times of generosity, we are most like him. For God so loved the world that he gave. When we give, we are most like our heavenly father. Father. In fact, he says in Matthew chapter 25, he says, you know what? When you give to feed the poor, he said, just like he did it to me. When you clothe the naked, just like you bought clothes for me. When you reach those in prison, it's just like you came and visited me in prison. I am there. I'm in those people you're ministering to. And so when I invest in God's kingdom to reach people, I am giving it back to God. So when I say we, we're going to take our offerings, they're going not to faith assembly, they're going directly to God. Mmm, this is good. Turn back to first, Second Corinthians nine. He talks about the Macedonian givers. And he he sets up the premise in chapter 8. He describes how generous they were. And then he goes to chapter 9. And he says in verse number 6, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. It's exciting. It's a partnership with God. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Now follow me here. When I give, when I sow bountifully, I will reap bountifully, but it's so in verse number nine, I can continue to abound in every good work. Not so I can say, look how much money I got. Not so I can say, look how big my house is. Not so I can say, look what a fancy car I drive. I don't give to get. I give to get to give. The cycle keeps repeating. So when God blesses his people abundantly, joyfully, it's so in verse number nine, he says, I can abound in every good work, not so I can live in the lap of luxury. That's somehow, that's somewhere, some of this message has gotten a little perverted along the way. You give, and God's going to bless you, and you're going to be a rich, fat cat. And people are just shelling out the buck, so I want to try that. Does God bless bountifully? Yes. Is God's word true? Yes, yea and amen. But don't stop short. God will bless you. God will take care of you so you can continue to be a funnel to advance God's kingdom. Because why? I am first a kingdom person. You understand the the dynamics of this. We literally become channels of God's resources so I can change my world. So you have a choice. He says you can sow sparingly or you can sow bountifully. He presents two options sow sparingly, reap sparingly, sow bountifully, reap bountifully. You have a choice that you need to make. Everybody needs to make that choice. He said, don't do it under compulsion. Don't do it because you're made to. Do it just because you want to. Because it's exciting. Because I trust God. Because God's going to take care of me. He says in verse 9, he's able to supply all you need and also give you more so you can abound in every good work. Mm. Verse 12. He says, this service... That you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks for God. So he says two things are happening. When you become generous, you're taking care of God's people, but also you are giving thanks well. Verse 15, he closes that whole chapter out with saying, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. God is glorified. Generosity is an ultimate win, win, win. The first win is needs are met. The second win is the kingdom of God advances. And the third win is you are blessed by giving. What a deal. What a deal. What what a partnership that God challenges us to, to trust him in. Listen, some of you guys are stretching. Your brain's just a spinning like this. Some of you are already looking for your way out, your, your escape, escape mechanism. Boy, I didn't know, didn't know I was going to be on this today. I should have stayed at home. This would have been a good day to sleep in. And your brains are just a twisting and turning. Listen, I am, you, you will be set so free, filled with so much joy. Partner in advancing the kingdom of God around the world. It is the most exciting life you can enter into when you partner with God. I want to tell you a story, and I'm going to close here. I know you're a little nervous. Let me tell you a story. When the kids were small, at around Christmas time, we're coming up to Christmas time, so you guys know what I'm talking about. My wife, at that time, Tanya, would take the kids out to shop. And she would take them out shopping and let them engage in picking out my gift and be a part of that process. I had three kids two boys and a girl, and and she would take them shopping. Now, where'd the money come from to buy my gift? From me. She would take my credit card or my checkbook or whatever cash we had around. She would take it from me to buy my gift. And the kids didn't know any better, and they're all excited. They can't wait for Christmas time to come. And we're, they're all around the tree. And so there's, there were three gifts there. And there would be one that would come across from Chad. And I would say, oh, this is from Chad. And I'd shake that gift and I'd look at that gift. I paid for that gift. <laughs> I bought it for myself. I mean, they, Tanya bought it for me with my money. Chad didn't put a dime up. He had no money. Eight years old. But I remember... When I got ready, when I took that gift, and I, I would look at that gift, Chad would lean in. And he would watch to see my expression. And I'd open that gift, and I don't care what it was, a pair of socks, underwear, who, who knows what they got me. I would, seem, I would be so excited, not because I needed what they gave me, not because it was that thrilling of a gift. But my joy and my excitement, when I was joyful and excited, Chad's face lit up because he was giving daddy something, and he would get so happy, and that would make their day, and they'd begin to learn a little bit early in life about the joy of being a giver, not a taker, and then I'd open Jason's gift. And get all excited all over again, open Lindy's gift and get excited all over again. And and their face just lit up as they watched every moment as I opened all the gifts my kids gave me. They didn't buy it. They didn't have the money. They couldn't come up with it. It was my money. But it was their joy. It was their joy. And that's the same way it is in the kingdom. When I give back to God, the father leans in. He gets excited And we take what God's given us and we take what God's blessed us with and he's been so good to us. And I come in on Sunday morning and I wrap it all up and I say, God, I'm giving this back to you and the father just smiles. He gave it to me to begin with. It wasn't mine to start with. It was God's anyway. He didn't even need it. But the father just smiles and nods. And you know what? I get so excited I get to give back to God. I get to give back to God. And it becomes my joy. I will tell you, generosity is the key to joy. You want to be happy, give. Give it away. Just give. Trust God. Go nuts. And see what God will do. Generosity. Don't be like the boy who said, these are my french fries. Give them to God. Or spread around the table. Give your fries to all the kids around the table. And let's begin to change our world. One French fry at a time. There's a reason they call that little meal the happy meal. They call it the happy meal because there's nothing more happy and joyful and exciting than to be able to share and give it away. And there's an exciting adventure I want to challenge you guys to begin to walk through. For many of you, it's going to be a major step of faith. This is something new to you. This is something you've, you make $5, $10 here, whatever, but tithing, oh, don't don't talk about that. But I want to challenge you. Partner, partner with this all-powerful, almighty God. Begin to trust him. He'll take care of you, take care of your kids, take care of your family and the kingdom of God will advance mightily. There is no limit to what we can do if everybody in the church begin to trust God and tithe. I want to challenge you. I want you to be partners. Let's be partners. Let's be partners together, partners together in changing our world. Let's all stand together. Everyone standing? Hallelujah. Listen, let me just say here, if you're here today, you just walked in, maybe guest, new, first time, It it all starts out by giving yourself to God first. So I would encourage you, if you haven't done that, it just starts by saying, God, I need you. Come in and save me. Come be my Lord, be my Savior, take away my sins. And when you pray a simple prayer like that, the Lord comes in and gives you a brand new life, and it's an exciting journey. You walk on with the Lord. This message today was not so much for the unbeliever. It's a part of our discipleship process. It's a part of our growth process. So I will tell you, I was preaching primarily to the church, those who are born again, those who are saved. If God doesn't have your heart, doesn't have your money, doesn't have anything of you. But for you that are children of God, this is a very, very important message in your spiritual growth process. And when you understand this discipline, it's the key to advancing the kingdom and unlocking your joy and God taking care of you. And it goes on and on and on. And we touch- Thanks for listening to this weekly podcast. Check out org for podcasts and videos of our previous messages.